Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. I have health and wellness experts today. So we are talking holistic health. Um, this is right up a lot of your, uh, you know, alleys. So, and his name is Reed Davis. And uh, I don't have a lot of gentlemen on this show, so I'm very excited to have a little bit of testosterone oh. sprinkled in over here. And so uh, let me give you some background on, on Reed. He's got quite a bit of experience. So definitely hone in on what he's got to say today. Um, Reed Davis is a board certified holistic uh, health practitioner, also known as an HHP and certified nutritional therapist, also known as a CNT. And he's an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. He is the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition and the FDN certification course with over 4,000 graduates in 50 countries, served as the health director as at a wellness center in Southern California uh, for over 10 years and with over 10,000 clients is known as one of the most experienced clinicians in his field. Reed serves on the advisory board of the American Natural Wellness Coaches Board and the American Association of Natural Wellness Coaches. Welcome, Reed. To the Thank show. you so much. Very happy to be here, Heather. So Hope excited to have you. We're nice going to talk all things health and your specialties in labs. Um, before I do, I ask you, um, this will be an interesting question. So I do an icebreaker with all of my guests and I ask the same question. And that is, you ready? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh man, I mean, I'm a chocolate chip guy, you know. Um, I think it was peanut butter cookies most of my life. My mom used to make them, you know, with the fork and and the little pattern on them, but no, I'm a, I guess I'm a chocolate chip guy now. If I, if I had to pick one, you are okay. It's a classic. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, you just how could you? Yeah, if there's little nuts in there or something like that, I like them a bit crunchy. Oh, I yeah, I don't like the soft cookies. I like, I like, I like crunchy cookies. Oh, okay, that's a new one. That's new. Okay, I like it. No, it's all it's kinds, all kinds yeah. of cookies. It's great. Well. Thank you for sharing that. And um, so you are in California. Tell us a little bit more about your background. You, um, We were chatting before we hopped on and you uh, specialize in labs, which is, you know, I think very important when you're looking at health because that tells you a lot, obviously. Yeah, well, thanks. I think they're critical. And when I, uh, back in the 90s, I was uh, in environmental law and saving the whole planet air birds, water, trees, bees. And then I started wondering, well, what about people? Like, really, I, I just didn't have any health problems or anything. I just thought, well, what about people? All these, you know, dead animals and stuff from the environment, which is pretty polluted. You know, it's really bad. It's worse than it is now, I think. But anyway, so I switched jobs. I went to work at a clinic and it was hard to run the place. I just wanted to be involved in helping people. And but I was invited to take this nutrition course with the owner who was getting her diplomat. She's a doctor she, and she was getting her diplomat in nutrition. 
said, hey, you can come to all these classes with me. You can work on the patients here in between your classes. And uh, the only price you have to pay is you have to do my homework, including yours. Hey, that's a good deal. <laughs> what bargain. a deal. <laughs> what a bargain. You know? So I, I did. I, I just, and that's when I fell in love, Heather, with the, with the clinical side. You know, so um, just helping people face to face, Mr. Jones and Mrs. Smith, and it was mostly women coming in. And I didn't know anything really other than what I was studying and what I'd sort of studied previously. I'd been in kind of to um, more the uh, the Eastern philosophies a little bit, but I, I still was really healthy. So I never had to work on anything. That's and great. um Man, what I noticed right away, and I'm getting to the point about the lift, is that every single person coming in that office had already seen multiple practitioners, six, eight, 10. I've been to 12 people, you know, and no one can help me. And so I was fascinated by that. And I was a good researcher, writer, and, and you know, and I just thought, well, I, I know I can help. And I had nothing, I had everything to learn. But I had nothing to unlearn. I had no dogma or, you know, previous that training. Happens. So yeah, so it's just had this open um, view of of things, and and so um, I started voraciously reading and researching. But most important thing was uh, I ran into the right docs at the right time. When this is before functional medicine, it was kind of alternative medicine. Mm. And they were running alternative labs and they were they were uh, saliva, urine, blood stool. And I got to do all that in the office because we were a doctor's office. I could order anything I wanted for their patients. And I did. And I just picked the brains of the doctors and the, the mostly uh, a lot of lab, the lab scientists, the the lab geeks, you know, the, the lab yeah. rats, you know. So yeah. I'm picking their brain every single day for they did that for 10 years. So in 10 years, I ran thousands of labs for thousands of people. We we're a very busy office. And, uh, you know, I never once got to diagnose anything or treat anything specifically because I wasn't licensed. So I, it would force me to look upstream for what's really wrong and what could they themselves take control of in their life that would fix it. So again, no diagnosing, treating, no writing prescriptions. And by the way, none of them wanted any of that. Right. They had, they had enough diagnosis and treatments and for this thing. Probably and the goal to get off of whatever medication all those 12 doctors they saw previously. Oh yeah, right? pe people are on nine, 10 different meds sometimes. It was weird. And you have to be careful there. But what, so they all had the same complaints. There were, it was all around these chronic, stress-related downward spiraling conditions that were kind of over time just kind of ruining their lives. So they weren't coming in with broken bones or gunshot wounds or or infectious disease and and like the stuff that you have to go to a doctor for. And so that's when I also realized this is really critical. It wasn't the doctor's fault. They came in and they were complaining, my doctor doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't she doesn't do this or that. And they told me I'm fine. And then they had, they had done a lot of blood work or whatever and been told there's nothing wrong with you. Of course they knew something was. 
So they were just in the, they had their, what I call the ladder up against the wrong wall. Mm. It wasn't that doctors don't know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They treat disease and they're really good at it. And if you have aches and pains and uh, frustrated with your symptoms, then physicians can be very helpful. But see, see, so they were looking for something different. They didn't even know what they were looking for, but it wasn't drugs or just like a the quick diagnosis. Thing. Like they can help with the ailments, but the diagnosis of something that's like underlying that could be anything is difficult to treat. Yeah. So, so every time a doctor laid down a diagnosis for them, they were just focusing on one thing and that wasn't working. And so to this day, if doctors aren't into functional medicine and really looking at multiple causal factors, they're, they're, that's just standard medicine. And it's, it's, it helps, but it isn't what people are looking for. They want to get really well. They want to have joy, you know, energy. They want to look good, feel good. And so nothing wrong with that. Right. And they want to raise their kids that way. So I love working with children too. Um, Matter of fact, I had a lady come in and we were doing really well. She was getting just all this great benefit from my system that I finally developed. I developed this investigative lab system and then all natural drug-free protocols and putting people in control. And this took a while, but she was getting amazing results. And then she said, hey, Reed, do you, do you work with kids? And I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I go, well, I raised four, you know, and I've been a football coach for 15 years I yeah I raised lots of kids in different ways and uh why she goes well they're trying to kick my kid out of school because he misbehaves he doesn't he doesn't pay attention he pokes the other kids he he's abrupt you know whatever I said well that just sounds like most of the boys on my football team what's the problem And she says, no, I'm serious. You know, like they they want them on drugs. They want me to put them on Ritalin. Ritalin was the drug of choice back then. For everything. For ADD, ADD, you know. So, and I said, what do you mean? Like there's a doctor at school that's prescribed? She said, no, the teachers and the principal are telling me he needs to be on drugs. I said, well, they're they're not allowed to do that. And um, she said, I know, I, I don't want him on drugs. What can I do? What? I said, I'm not sure if we can help or not, but we'll try. We ran some labs and I run them on adults. Children, it's a little bit different, but um, we found out he was sensitive to certain foods and some chemicals and we got him on a better sleep schedule and and a little bit of discipline, frankly, which comes from my football um, coaching. And uh, within three weeks, of starting him on a program after the labs, the principal of the school tracked me down and said, this kid is paying attention. He's a different kid. You know, more fighting and outbursts and stuff. <laughs> and I thought, oh boy, here's a chance to help him, maybe more kids. But then he goes, so what'd you put him on? Mm. As if it was just some magic pill, you know, and I, I was... I said, you know, I hate to disappoint you, but you actually, it's a little harder than that. You know, you got to run some labs and change their lifestyle and get the moms to, and this mom was, of course, willing to do all all the things. So anyway, but it was really encouraging. So we had, I'm not kidding you, miracles with the moms, with the kids. How old was that child? How old was he? He was, that was a great question. I was going to say he was only nine years old. Oh, 
and they're trying to drug them. And I was, that's what opened up this amazing world. Of course, I, you know, I love kids working with them, but, but yeah, so clinically we work with a lot of children too. And it's amazing. Is there lab, is there lab work that will, sh that will pick up like ADHD or anything like that? Like I had a similar experience. Like I, when I was in kinder, first grade kindergarten, they did the same thing with my mom and they ended up putting me on Ritalin and I was on it until, and then they went on to Adderall and then they took it back and put it. And I was on that till I was 18. And then when I went to college, I was like, I'm done with that. I'm not, I don't need it. I don't feel like I need it. I, I was a good student. I was always busy playing sports. And so I didn't use it in college and graduated with degree just yeah. fine. And, uh, my son, who's now nine, about a few years ago, they came and said the same thing. And we tried some different things. It helps him, but I was very sensitive to it because and it's like, it's not like it used to be. It's very, I'm like, well, either way. And uh, it's it, the ideal is idealistically, you don't want to have to put them on it. But then there's hereditary, or maybe it was anxiety that he had, or I had, or whatever. So they were very quick to diagnose back then. And it was teachers that would go and my mom was a teacher too. So it, that was what back in, you know, eighties and nineties. Well, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. And, you know, with this young man, it was um, mostly the foods that were kind of neurotoxins. And uh, since we're on the topic, I'll just tell you, I had another patient in the office and she was a principal of some charter schools. She had five schools and she was the principal for all five. And she would go to one each day of the week. And she started sitting in on the parent-teacher-child meetings for disciplinary reasons. And she started asking the kid, um, uh, well, what do you have for breakfast? And what percentage do you think was sugary cereal? Lots oh, of color. It was 100%. And you knew, you knew that most people guess like 80, you know, but, but you know. So these neurotoxins that are in food, will disrupt certain kids not some are more sensitive than others and so usually there's some other functional aspects involved whether it be you know other allergies or um, a lot of infections and antibiotics that have kind of ruined their gut microbiota there's the brain gut connection there, there's a lot of things going on but also household products you know personal care products and cleaning products and lots of things around the house that can be very irritating neuro they're neurotoxic especially to young kids and um so we do a lot of cleaning up of more than just diet and exercise you know in, in our world it's it's we run the labs we find out what foods you're sensitive to you can do all kinds of analysis uh for mineral levels and um, vitamin levels and trace elements and phytonutrients and and lots of things and so it's a very data-driven approach that we have. It's it's labs. We do labs, labs. So kind of back to my story. After 10 years, I was being encouraged to teach others. We were getting such amazing results. I only ever did it to build our business, our, our practice, this wellness center. I just wanted to be known as a guy that actually got results. Right, of course. Yeah, and just normal practitioner. But I was told by people, man, you you need to be teaching because think of how many people you could help then. You know, like you have this great business, uh, but what if you taught others? So I've been deputizing others to do this work since 2008. We have thousands of practitioners. 
and they just duplicate. You just run the labs. You use all natural protocols. Uh, we have acronyms and ways to make it easy to remember and teach and stuff like that. But it's 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 neat work that puts the person, the the client or patient, back in control of their own life, and that's my life's work. Sure, because that's what we we're trying to gain is control and trying to feel like we're not out of control or that we're under someone else's like mercy. I mean, we need guidance, but you want to feel like you're making the decisions because it's just a very, it's just a mindset thing. I mean, if you're it blindly is. following, it's, you never know, huh. but you want to educate yourself and feel in control too. Yeah. People are taught to go see their physician. If something doesn't feel right, you know, there's something about your health or status and you you want it it's not comfortable you want to change it you have a health complaint you go to a doctor but see they're good at certain complaints but not really sort of the lifestyle related you know you, hey well you just you, you you can what i learned is that you can live yourself out of the problems that you've lived yourself into with your environment and your diet and poor sleep and no exercise and lots of stress You've heard that word before. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, you know. Yeah, and and the the poor nutrition that people get today. If you're eating the standard American diet, you're, you're eating garbage. Yeah. You know, you. I mean, literally, like a lot of oh. it's toxic. It's just toxic, poisonous, too sugary, too much fat, chemicals. You know. So, um, we do a lot of referring. One thing your listeners might want to know about is the Environmental Working Group. We just send people there. Hey, ewg.org is the environmental working group. Just go there and get educated on what what are the most toxic foods. Okay. You know, what are the most um friendly foods, least toxic foods, you know. And um what do you recommend for someone like that, you're, that you're working with kids, right? Like that kid, and everything is sugary cereal, right? And what about if you have a picky eater and you're trying to get them off of certain things, but that's all they would do. Do you yeah. have, do you have any tips for any of that? Or I'm sure you came across that. I was a fussy eater myself. So yeah, I have a lot of, lot to say about that. Um, you have to find something that's got nutrition in it. The good, good nutrition. You need proteins, fats, and carbs, Right. very high quality. And uh, you, they can find it's okay. Let them eat what they like to eat, as long as it isn't crap. You know, you have to have some some discipline in there. Um, and then you can take supplementation. There are supplements that contain the vitamins and minerals and essential fatty acids and um, you know antioxidants, trace elements, um, phytonutrients. So our, we're genetically we need those things. You have to have those. Or you're right. going to be um, deficient, and um, you can't get it all out of food anyway, because food right. is grown in soil that doesn't have the minerals and vitamins and things in it anymore. And so you you really everyone needs to supplement. So our, let me just tell you. So our formula for success we call it Dress for okay. Health Success. D R E S S. I love That's a good acronym. Okay, Reed. Hey, I so do. Me, you're talking to the acronym queen. I love me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And this one um, is an alliteration. You know, it, it rhymes. It makes it dress for health success. D-R-E-S-S is diet. Right for a person. There's no one diet right for everybody. 
but diet right for you. We have a way. Um, rest, which is more than just sleep, because you can rest during the day and you can rest your spirit and your emotions. And you know, you need to learn how to do that, not just sleep. Sleep's important. So, but diet, rest, exercise, and the two S's in dress are stress reduction and supplementation. So okay. a lot of times people we run the labs and they just want to know what, oh, what should I take? Or you know, they have a health problem. What should I take? It's going to be more than supplements. Lifestyle change. <laughs> yeah, you, you really have to, um, you can't supplement yourself uh, out of problems that were caused by poor diet, lack of exercise, and stress. And poor What sleep. do you tell them to usually start with? Do you ever start, is it is it in that order? Or do you, you start know, from like S? It's, you, could, you could, you could, and supplements are often last. But and diets often first, but you start with their weakest area. Mm -hmm. So there's a conversation always about um, that the the elements. You know, the 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 lab work comes first. Another acronym for you: hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production, and nervous system. That's spelled hidden. hidden, and they're hidden, and people don't even look for them sometimes. So and that's the pattern I recognize in all those years at the clinic, the thousands of labs that I reviewed for people, um, no matter what their problem was. Remember, I'm not a physician, so I have to just go, well, let's look into, you know, and it's, thank God it wasn't because it made me look harder and really research and really and individualize like each one person, what's their underlying causal factors. And um and I didn't make so many discoveries, but uh, the hidden acronym popped up all the time. You know, so with women, most of the women coming in were 45 to 60. Pre-menopause or menopause? Yeah. It's, and, and, and some postmenopausal, you know, with, with different things. But they all wanted to be younger. <laughs> you know, well, every, always, no matter what. Or feel <laughs> it, age. feel good. Yeah, and I would say sometimes, look, you're never going to be 22 again. Let's be honest here. But, you know, you should feel 30 for a long time. And if depending on your age, like me, I'm 70. I'm just happy being 40. And so and I studied anti-aging very, very much and still do. Um, you can be 40 for 40 years. Really not even start aging until you're about 70 or 80, you know, so if you're 35, 40, you should be able to, it's not like this, the arc, you remember you told you're over the hill when you hit 50, yeah. there's no over the hill, there's just no. up the hill, you know, you're gonna, you, your body naturally, chronologically ages, you can't help that, but you can maintain a certain health level, functional level, uh, for a long, long time, hopefully well into your 80s, and genetics are important, my mom's 94, and my still, grandfather's 94 yeah we, we yeah. have long genes in my family i think his brother's 99 <laughs> wow yeah that's fantastic so see you you know genes are part of it but i'll bet there's some other common threads there matter of fact i know they are there are and and i know what they are but um so you have to remember you're never yeah. you, you can't you don't want to you, you will age gracefully like you want to be able 
you're, you're like, I'm a better, like when you're 22, you, you can't do what you did when you were 22, when you're 40. Like I'm, I'm, I've got a couple, like I've got about a year and a half before I'm 40. And I mean, now granted I've had three spinal surgeries. So I had what they called, well, if you looked at it, they had said that I had the back of a 40 year old when I was 18. Cause when you just looked at the x-rays, they were like, what is this 40 year old man doing on my table? Where like, where's her x-rays? And they're like, no, those are hers. It's like, why is she on my table? This isn't going to help her. Like she Uh needs to have a fusion done because it's just so bad. No And um, I ended up having a spinal fusion between my freshman and sophomore year of college because I went to go play soccer out in Florida and got a groin injury, which then led to back pain. And I'd never had back pain, never had broken a bone, never a problem. And then my back started hurting. They took x-rays and I have what's called spondylolisthesis. Yes, I know what that is. Yeah, so slippage of the vertebrae. It's a, it's a... genetic disorder that no one knew my mom had some back issues but not like maybe some discs so they did a fusion but they didn't do the front where they went in and gave me arch they gave me flat back because I think my age and I think he didn't want to cut me up too much and so ended up doing me a disservice later never really solved it and uh ended up having a staph infection about three weeks later that made me very very ill I dropped like 30 pounds in a month. It was like below a hundred pounds and I'm five mm. foot one. I'm very petite. So I looked really bad and I was throwing up and I was very sick and we didn't really know what was wrong. And this was right around, I think around the time MRSA was becoming a thing. Yes. They were trying to figure out what staff I had. They grew up for three days in the lab, couldn't figure it out. They finally were like, let's just send you home on a midline, which took forever to get onto me. And I went home and infectious disease and all the fun things. And then after that, I was like, I'm not doing that ever again. So it took me about 13 years to have another surgery. I had my kids. I had, I just lived in terrible pain. And, um, I was like, Oh, this is just the way it's going to be right. My life I had kids. They're like, well, wasn't it exacerbated? I was like, I couldn't really tell if it was pregnancy awake. Who knows? And after I had my third, four months postpartum, I went to another doctor. I'd seen a ton of doctors, just like you had said. I actually figured out, um, learned I was allergic to morphine from a doctor. I had gone to so many for this stuff, for the pain. And they were just like, this is what you have. And I didn't want another surgery. And one guy prescribed me what's called Cadian, which is the pill form morphine, which is highly addictive. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was. And I was like, okay, so I take it. Cause I wasn't a big narcotics. Like I had Vicodin, but I always try to take myself off. Cause I got hooked on um, Ambien after my first surgery. Cause I couldn't sleep with all the pain. So they, my body got hooked on it. I didn't want it, but I had to right. go to class and I'm like, it's three in the morning. I haven't got sleep, can't sleep and weaning that off. But I took one pill of that Cadian and I just instantly just came right back up. And I went to another, ended up being the a friend of mine who played on the baseball team at the, at university of Tampa. His dad was like a leading spinal surgeon in Tampa. And he saw me, he got me in. So I was friends with his son and he told him what the guy had given me. And he was like, Livid. freaking out. Like that is yeah. like, who gave this to you? Who prescribed this to you? May I keep these? I'm like, yeah. He's like, this is extremely 
extremely addictive. What happened when you took it? I was like, oh, I, I have only taken one. It made me really sick. And he's like, you're now, so you're allergic to morphine. I'm like, oh, good to know. And, and mm. it ended up that I got really sick after I had the morphine drip in, in the um, hospital after the surgery that made me sick too. So now I have to get like Demerol, but yeah. I found that out through that. But with doctors, you just have to advocate for yourself and really understand. But he was like, I'm going to report the guy to the board. I was like, Oh God, you know, but good for, for him, but it takes such a long time to understand. So when I finally had my surgery, I finally saw the specialist here in Austin. I'd seen two or three doctors here. They saw my x-rays and they're like, what medication are you on? What are you taking? And I'm like, nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, well, we don't understand how you are standing and not talking, like talking with me in full sentences and you're not on any medication. So I don't know, tolerance. <laughs> yeah. You ignore it, mental. Right. And uh, they ended up saying like, we're not going to touch you. Like we don't, like right. you need a specialist. I'm like, well, can yeah. you give me one? Found one. He saved my life. He did surgery. He fixed it. He looked at it. He's like, I can fix this. And ever since, and that was in 2017, he broke up with me three years later is what I say. Cause he's like, we don't need to see you anymore. You're fine. You're good. If you need to, if you need to come back, come back. I'm like, I don't know what to do without a back specialist. And I just, he's like, do whatever it is you're doing. Cause you're back strong. And I have a very loose spine because he did another fusion. And he had said, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And I was exercising. I was just watching what I was eating and I stay up below. Um, I like to say about 120, but I stay below 130. And you can always feel it. And just whatever I was doing, he's like, keep doing it. And I'm going to refer clients to you because whatever you're doing exercise wise is keeping you strong sure. because he was like, I bought you five years going through the front and 10 from the back. And I've already been, my son's going to be six. So I'm six years in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 2017 to now six, six so years. Like well, you've shown what a person could do if they, um, well, the fact that you're actually allergic to the medication was a good thing because you could still be addicted today and you'd be 200 pounds and a very unhappy person. Yeah. And I think uh, it's like working backwards, like just because you that was my hard thing is I was always very active as a kid. I was on four soccer teams, ballet dancer. I was always doing and they go to college and that's like your identity is a college is, is an athlete and then you can't yeah. play because of your condition, then you're like, now what? Like, I know I'm a good student, but what am I supposed to do? And you're crippled and you can't do what you used to do, which it was very hard to even have like kids and play with them on the floor. Yeah. And so working almost backwards and coming from a space of like back of a 40 year old to feeling like your age. So I was 18. And then when I had my six years ago, I was 32 years old for the, wow. the last surgery I had. Well, congratulations on all the hard work and getting oh, to where you are. And now what's the beauty of it is that you are now helping others who may have had the same or similar type of problem. And I found that with um, my trainees, the people who take my course, they all are do-gooders. They all, most of them have a college degree, but not all, um, and not in the sciences even, Um and then they have a certificate or two in something like they're a nutritionist or dietitian or they're, you know, even a personal trainer, uh, something in the healing arts. 
and some work experience and that they know that they need to know more they're not skilled yet and, and so i my course is all anatomy physiology biochemistry it's the lab work how to use the lab kits which by the way anyone can do these things i was going to ask so, so is this i know of another doctor dr cabral yeah Stephen. i just i just had spent three days with him oh yeah in, so he helps in, uh, so phoenix he yeah Okay, so he was doing a lot of the lab tests for like the Faster Way of Fat Loss, which was that virtual um, health and wellness program that I'm associated with and Dr. Cabral and his, um, he's got a great book, but he does a lot of lab testing and functional medicine and supplements. So is it something just, I know a lot of the listeners are familiar with him. How is it, is it something like that? Or is it because he trains, I guess, his people as well. You can become certified and, and yeah, program. I'm I'm not sure exactly. I again I just was in a conference with him for three days. We had some great conversations and similar situations. Um just you know, I I was uh he he was a, a naturopath. He went to yeah. the nat naturopath school. I went to the school of art Knox, you know, like just pure experience. Yeah. And so I worked in a clinic for 10 years and I was the lab guy. And I had to be very careful about really empowering the person. So no treatment. I'd never treated anybody for anything. So what I do is it's using a lot of the same lab work, but educating the person so that they are truly empowered. One of the things that really frustrated me in the beginning, and I would be out riding my motorcycle and, and I'd think about the office, you know, all the time. And, um, and I one day just got really upset with why, you know, it was like a revelation. Why are these people who are complaining they've seen six or eight or 10 different practitioners and aren't better yet? Why are they even putting their health in someone else's hands? Mm. So it needs to be. So that's what's a bit unique about my, I mean, we all talk about empowerment and things, but, but I really teach people what the data you need is. And it's a whole cluster, remember, hidden, H-I-D-D-E-N. So it isn't one lab or two labs. It's five labs to get the data. And here's why. Because there's the whole constellation of healing opportunities that you need to take a look at. So, And you can't just go like, well, it sounds like thyroid. Here's your thyroid test. And, oh, yeah, pat myself on the back at your thyroid. And the same goes for irritable bowel and chronic fatigue, and you name a complaint, it's always a cluster of symptoms, and it could sound like something, and you could test for that thing it sounds like, and even find something. But there's always all these other things going on around it. So I wanted to know what all of those things were. So our approach is, um, it's not about diagnosing and treating, it's a one thing. It's about all these causal factors, this is critical. How are those causal factors affecting each other? And that's why I actually gave up the term root cause. Mm. Even though you want to look for it, there's no test for all root causes. You may never find it, but you can get close enough and have an effect upon it when you understand what healing and healing opportunities you can identify, how they're affecting each other. And that's why I just call it all metabolic chaos. So I came up with this term metabolic chaos. I could show you diagrams of how like the chemical processes in a body. And it just looks like this 
weird map. I mean, it's just who could understand it, you know? So there's so many opportunities for dysfunction. Yeah. And when you get them, uh, they're, they're, they're having an effect on another dysfunction. Another, and that's not all singly measurable. So you have to have a point of view, a methodology and a way of thinking that tries to treat it all at once. Mm-hmm. So we don't treat anything specifically. First of all, you're supposed to be a licensed doctor if you, to do that. So you basically you arm treat. everybody with it. You educate them on these are the things that you're seeing. So it'll yeah. empower them to either go find that or to well, go. We just show them. We just run the lab. That's how we operate. Yeah. The way we work is we just run the labs. Everybody I train will tell you. It's, labs. it's, it's known. It's proven. Here's the way. Run the labs and get all the healing opportunities and then work on them all at the same time. So you're not going to treat irritable bowel or chronic fatigue or PCOS. Or you're going to treat every cell, tissue, organ, and system in the body simultaneously, and you just get healthier. And then it's like turning the light on mm. in a room. It's not dark anymore. You know, like it's just you, you, you turn every cell, tissue, organ, and system on simultaneously. And disease can't exist in that state of balance and resiliency and so even if people were diagnosed with something we you know want to know about it but we're not going to get hung up on it uh we're going to find well here's all the stuff that's going wrong in your body and how you can fix it and be in control and it's d-r-e-s-s so yeah people eat wrong they don't sleep right they're not getting into deep enough sleep for long enough uh, they're not exercising properly. They're over-exercising, a lot of them. And then, of course, the stress comes in so many different forms. There's the environment, which is where I started. I, I know how bad it is. And um, it's chemical and it's biochemical. And then, of course, there's, uh, with me, if I had one complaint, it'd be physical trauma. So I've been in so many sports injuries and motorcycle accidents and sometimes stupid stuff even. Uh, like that cordless bungee jumping. Don't do that one. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, but you know, I've I've, I've got a, such a well-used body that I have to manage pain a lot. And your body doesn't care where the stress is coming from; it responds the same way. The cortisol, the DHA, you get catabolic. Your body starts breaking down. So, whether it's the chemical and biochemical stress of the environment and foods and chemical, you know, all this stuff, uh, it could be even. And the physical aches and pains from injuries, as you've had. Yeah, or arthritis, like from like my back will hurt when it's cold or when it's raining because there's metal in there. Yeah. Scar tissue. You have Harrington rods. Is that what you have? I have, yeah, the rod. I've got six screws, six rods, and then they went through the front and did two more to give arch because I really want, and that actually hurt the worst that stomach one you kind of a bionic woman you know but <laughs> so but there's a, then don't forget mental emotional stress and existential angst you know from so all of that has a similar effect on the body it breaks your body down your body responds chemically uh hormonally and it it breaks you down so i and i could show you in the lab work how the dominoes fall mm-hmm. and so that you end up in this with all kinds of autoimmune this and that and you know there's right like my daughter is um she's gonna be eight 
and she broke her leg in the kitchen, just tripped on fun, fun times, right? A very, very minor fracture. And then since then she has developed vitiligo. It's not hereditary. It's supposedly hereditary. There's no one on either side. And Mm -hmm. she, it was pretty aggressive. And Mm -hmm. they said, well, sometimes trauma to the body could, you know, cause this. And I I was reading about it and light therapy and these creams and all the things. And so we would do this light therapy. It's very time consuming. She's now going to be eight. And every summer I try to treat it. It pretty much goes away. We noticed like last year was a very stressful year and it was really bad. And you could tell her body was very stressed out and the vitiligo was actually spreading. And so we were, I was able to get it under control, but with everything with, with she's eight, she doesn't want attention to it or she, you know, she's got so much. It's like, you don't want to put those hormones or the, um, the steroids on her that much and all this light therapy. And so we let kind of go and it, I've noticed there's no more new spots now that we've removed the stress and we yeah. try to minimize it, but it's still there, but there's no cure. We've tried, like, I've read about like nightshades and all these things, but they've never really run lab work on her. Only just, I've read, try to eliminate foods or this or that to see if we can get it to stop. And um, when you said autoimmune, it was like, you know, can those be reversed? There are genetic components to some things that are um, uh, working against you, but you can do all of the things um, that would, we call them epigenetic forces. They're the one thing you have control over is epigenetic. So about 8% of your problems are genetic. The other 92% is epigenetic. It's what's in the environment that's triggering these things to occur. And and sometimes it's like a puzzle and it can be a little difficult, um, but you can get to a point where you've um, overcome, managed it, and you can get joy back in your life. I guarantee that. Um, and for her eight-year-olds, I mean, even just when you hear, oh, my eight-year-old's all stressed up, about what? They're eight, you know? <laughs> like, well, like, you know, this it, was you know, because of our situation. We were in a yeah, very get, unpredictable you, environment. Yeah. We moved out, you know, all those things. So it was a very stressful and you could just see it, it like yeah. on her body. I mean, I cut my yeah. hair off because I was losing hair from all of my stress. And, yeah. we couldn't grow, and so I cut it and now it's growing back. And I'm also now like calm, yeah. very different environment, different stress level. And now it's like, it never happened. It was very, very healthy. So just a reset. So your environment has a lot to do with bodily function. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's so, where we started, you know, with the environment. That's that's uh, what, what. So I went to the University of San Diego and and uh, got this through this law program, environmental and business law. But um, man, the amount of toxins that used to get poured into the environment were worse than now. I mean, there was. Uh, the study after study after study, case after case after case, where basically hippie lawyers in the 70s had to sue the government to get them to quit pouring stuff. I mean, just pouring like oil in the onto water. our roads and into the air and and un- unbelievably stupid things. And it's cl- it's much cleaner than it used to be, believe it or not. You know, um, uh, the oh, clean- yeah, I believe it because we're more aware. Yeah, this is all in my lifetime, you know, yeah. stuff that's different. So I'm encouraged 
But at the same time, a lot of toxins are legal, you know, like they're in our food and, and still the, so factories can't dump stuff in the water anymore. So fish are back, you know, that's good. But, but there's still a lot to be concerned with and that we can be vigilant about, we can educate others on and Absolutely. help them be healthier and happier. So how do we get more information and, and learn about how your program works? Like, are you, do you teach others to go out and teach that too? Or are you also trying to just get labs out for people that are trying to just find out what's wrong and then we send it back both. and then you help us read yeah. it? Is it a little bit of both? So I'm, I'm an educator. I, I don't practice anymore, but I've, I train people who do. So, you know, that's what I do. And we have graduates all over the world who are hungry to help others. It's a profession. So it's a fee for service. I teach them to how to um, survive and thrive uh, in the world uh, of business, as well as, you know, be entrepreneurial, as well as have the skills to help people. So they have this desire to help others. Anyone with the desire to help others, that's that's where you have to start. And maybe even have something you want to work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people come with whatever it is. And then through the course, going through 10 months of pretty intensive work, uh, learning and doing the work on yourself, because everyone who takes my course works on themselves. They get all kinds of mentorship and they, they're doing the labs and doing stuff. And then they can, if they, and, and this is what happens, so many of them go, you know, I, I want to be an independent practitioner, work my own hours, set my own rates, work from anywhere in the world, because most of it's virtual now. You know, when COVID happened and they sent everybody, everybody home, most of us said, well, we already work from home. Yeah. So our, our business has actually got better. But um so people come to me for that. And they so they work on themselves. They become kind of an expert in that approach that I talked about as it applies to their own problem. And then they go help others with that problem or, or any other problem. So it's really quite a community. Our post-grad, the alumni, is amazing. They The first class I ever taught in 2008, I thought, okay, well, there, go forth and and do good in the world. And they said, no, we're not going anywhere. You know, like more, they wanted more. They wanted to hang out together and, and share, you know, peer support and all that. So we have really quite a community now of practitioners. Yeah, it's remarkable. So you mentioned, so you, uh, before we hopped on, you have a, a link you can share with the listeners. Where else can we find all the information and find more of this? Because I feel like it's going to, we touched on a lot of different things. That's the beauty of just having conversation and where it'll go. So never know what someone's picked up on. So where can we find you and what's yeah. the best way? Well, it's fdntraining.com slash cookies. And uh, you know why we did that. So, so FDN stands for functional diagnostic nutrition. I was doing this for 10 years and never named it, you know, but then when I taught my first class, I had to give it a name. So I came up with very functional. It's all about how you're functioning cellular tissue, organ systems in your body. Again, H I D D E N. Right. So, um, so it's very functional and it's diagnostic in nature because we use the lab work. We get data. 
We got all this data on people. And um, so it's diagnosed, it's not medical diagnosis, but it's diagnostic. And, it, and then nutrition, just because I was a nutritionist and um, it's about nurturing, you know, and uh, in all kinds of ways, uh, even the spirit, you know, and emotions and, and the body you nurture with, with nutrition, nurture. So FDN, FDN is pretty well known around. And so it's fdntraining.com slash cookies. All right. I like it. Well, thank you. And I really yeah. do appreciate you sharing all of this with us. And I, it's just been a very interesting conversation. And uh, yeah, you got to share it too. So I like when that happens, you know, because some hosts, they, they don't get so involved, you know, and you did. So I was glad to see that, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. hey, I think that the best way is when we have conversations about real things and you have the same where you've got something going on. Like, I think it's important to share because it's the best way to relate. Yeah, you very want. authentic, very real. And I congratulate you on what you're doing helping other people and by being an example for them. So good for you. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here. And uh, I encourage the listeners to go check out Reed uh, and his very cool program. And uh, you have the link. It'll all be on the show notes. And okay. uh, please go check that out. Thank so, you very much. My pleasure. Cool. Anytime. That, Absolutely. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.